You are listening to a message from City Church, located in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. For more information on City Church, or for additional resources, including service times, recommended readings, and additional audio, please visit citychurchpa.org. I'm one of the elders here. My name is Earl Neff, and so it's just uh, it is a joy to stand before you today. And as Larry said, uh, it's probably pretty fitting that I would have this text today uh, about the craftsman. I got really excited about it the more I studied. <laughs> um, but I have to admit to you, every time I'm asked to preach, I always go through this process of, no, I don't want to do that. And that takes a lot of my time. That's hard work. Uh, I'm, it doesn't come natural for me. And so I often wait till the week of, and Pastor Raphael's trying to break me of that. <laughs> I used to do some all-nighters, and I know that I am not to do that anymore. That's not a good thing for me to do. It might have to do with my age, too. But anyhow, so... Um, Every time I give myself to studying the Word of God, and the more I dig, the more I study and research and pray, the Holy Spirit is just always faithful. And, um, and so uh, he is faithful again today to help me deliver the Word of God and my life's experiences that he's given to me. And I know that you will be uh, not just blessed, but you will be uh, hopefully convicted, you will be encouraged And uh, we just always pray that as the Word of God comes in truth, it sets us free. Amen? Because uh, where the Spirit of the Lord is, through the preaching of the Word of God, we we experience freedom, and we can walk in freedom. And so that's our prayer today. Um, So the the context today in uh, Exodus 31, verses 1 through 11... And I just want to remind you that the, uh, the title of this series is Free at Last. So don't forget that. I know it may be easy to get bogged down on all of the details of building the tabernacle. And you've probably nerd, never heard a series like this, including myself. Initially, I was like, what? This is long. This is kind of boring. This is so detailed. Why? Well, <laughs> every thing in the scripture is for our learning. And as you are discovering, everything in the old covenant points ahead to Christ. Amen? That's the beauty of it when you really take the time and study in detail. Like, why was God commanding them to do this? Because he did command them to do it. Every detail, every measurement, um, it was a pointing ahead to Christ who would come to fulfill all of this. And so, The Israelites are free at last in the desert. And just to reflect on that a bit, uh, as you may know and remember, the Israelites were God's chosen people called through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the 12 tribes of Israel. They were chosen, God's chosen people. And if you understand the story of Joseph, who through his mean brothers... (laughs) sent him to Egypt, and he became elevated to the leader of Egypt. And so God used Joseph to actually save his family through the famine, 
Pharaoh gave them the land of Goshen, which was probably maybe some of the best land because they were cattlemen, they were herdsmen. And so, but eventually they became so populous, Pharaoh became afraid of them. And so he said, we need to put these people under forced labor or else they will rise up against us. So what we have now is a people that have been set free from 400 years of forced labor. Really, all we know was that they were, they were makers of brick and they built cities, which is pretty astounding. So we don't know what their skill was beyond making bricks and laying bricks, but they obviously were builders. And so, so God, through this great series of, of bringing in Moses and Aaron and through the 10 plagues, God really forced Pharaoh's hand to let them go because God, through Moses, told Pharaoh, you need to let my people go. You may think you are God, but you're not. I am God. Let my people go so they can go into the wilderness and worship me. And so here we find them at the uh, camp near the foot of Mount Sinai. Moses has been on the mountain receiving instructions from the Lord. And a lot of these instructions had to do with the building of the tabernacle, as we've been talking about, which was the tent of meeting. God said, this is where I will come and dwell with you and talk with you. And so uh, God's been describing all of these details about how to build uh, this tabernacle. Um, and so what this reveals to me in studying this is that uh, God reveals himself as a master architect and designer and a builder and a craftsman. Um, and so God was instructing Moses and his people to build a house for him, a dwelling place for him. And so God speaks the vision to Moses, who is to then go and share it with the people. And so we come into chapter 31 and we see this shift from God giving instructions and details to saying um, um, that uh, he had appointed two men specifically in the work. And so, um, so from everything that is to be made and the design of it, uh, God chooses these two men. He says, see, I have chosen Bezalel and filled him with the spirit of God. And I have appointed a holy ab to help him. Um, and so I've made three observations from this, uh, even just these verses here. Number one, God always chooses leaders and equips them and fills them with his spirit to execute the vision. God always chooses leaders. He shares his vision with them and gives them the ability through his Holy Spirit to execute the vision. Secondly, uh, we see leadership. Leadership is the gift of knowing the vision for a work or a mission and having the ability to inspire and teach others to help. And we see that happening here. Uh, number three, God's spirit is always active and present in his work and in his people to enable them to do what they could not do. So I want to take just a few minutes and focus on uh, the, the spirit of God and, and from Genesis to see a little window into uh, this aspect of God. And so at creation in Genesis 1 and verse 2, it says, Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. 
It's almost like the picture of a, of a dove or a bird or an eagle as it would hover or maybe even like a chicken hovering over its flock. And so the Spirit of God is presented as this part of God that's, that's there. It's hovering over darkness uh, and over formlessness, over emptiness. And then as we read, it says, Then God said... So we have the Spirit of God hovering. God steps in and he speaks words of creation. Uh, and God says, let there be light. And there was light. Instantly, I believe, there was light. God said, let there be the skies. Let there be uh, the sun, the moon, and the stars. Let there be land. Let there be seas. Let there be birds. Let there be fish. Let there be animals and all the creatures of the earth. We wonder sometimes why God created some of those creatures that we don't like. Uh, and then God saved the best for last. And in Genesis 1:26, we actually see this plurality of God in creating man. He says, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. Uh, and so as you study the scriptures, God reveals himself as God the Father God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Um, and so, then in Genesis 2, verse 7, I, I love this description of how God created man. He says, the Lord God formed man. I can see God kneeling down, because he had to get down to where the dust of the earth was. And he took his hands, and he made the form of a man. Can you imagine that? It says we are made from the dust of the earth. Uh, and so God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. And so I believe we see here that the very breath of God is the spirit of God that brought to life a formless lump of dust. Isn't that astounding? And so God is this powerful creator uh, uh, through the Holy Spirit, he speaks, uh, he breathes, and life comes forth. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 15, 45, the scripture tells us the first man, Adam, became a living person, but the last Adam, who is Christ, is the living spirit. You see that? God created a living man, but Christ has come as the life-giving spirit from God to give us spiritual life. Uh, and so our main focus in this message really is that God, the master designer and craftsman, he fills his people with his spirit uh, through Christ. It is as if he breathes into us again his spiritual life, giving power to accomplish his work that we cannot do on our own. Amen. And so I have experienced that uh, just many times myself. Um, and so we've been looking at Exodus chapters 25 through 30, where the Lord has been showing to Moses the tabernacle, all of its furnishings, and very detailed instructions. And so in chapter 31, again, we have this shift where God says, the Lord says, look, I have chosen Bezalel and Aholiab. I'm going to abbreviate them just for a little humor here. And so God says, I have filled Bez with my spirit, with skill, ability, and knowledge and wisdom in all kinds of crafts to make artistic designs for work in gold, 
silver and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of craftsmanship. I have chosen Oho to help him. And in chapters 35, it says, I gave them ability to teach others. I thought, so here we have the first constructional uh, company. We have B&O Construction. They meant to build the tabernacle of God. I like that. Uh, so um, what I see here in the main point of this is that when God is building his tabernacle or his church, he takes our natural abilities or lack of them, and he supernaturally enables us to do what we could not do on our own in the natural. So now we don't know what skill uh, Bezano had, you know, maybe they already had a natural ability and skill, um, but God specifically says, I have filled Bezalel with the spirit of God and all wisdom and knowledge and skill and ability. And if you remember, God had strictly warned Moses to make sure they made everything exactly like the pattern uh, shown him on the mountain. So it's only a given that God would choose craftsmen to execute the detail uh, and the measurements of of all of the furnishings and the tabernacle itself. And so, um, as I was studying this and researching, I discovered that this is the first mention in Scripture of God filling a man with his spirit. Now, I got really excited about that. I thought, God filled a carpenter and a craftsman with his spirit. Glory to God, because I can, I can relate to that as one who's worked with his hands all of his life. So, you don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to have a degree in theology. You don't have to be a professional to be filled with the Spirit of God. Amen? So I hope that encourages all of you today. Um, so my second observation here is that I believe God considers our work to be holy. It is a reflection of his work in creating the world. Just think about that. Think about the career that you're pursuing. Think about your job and your work. Um, uh, in relation to that statement. I believe God considers our work to be holy. It is a reflection of his work in creating the world. Uh, in fact, if you study the, uh, the book of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes uh, in chapter 3 in verses 9 through 13, and I will abbreviate this, but it tells us that God has made everything beautiful. He has set eternity in our hearts. And that God brings satisfaction in all of our toil. That's really God's desire, is that we, as we have this portion of the Spirit of God within us, um, God is beautiful. He's majestic. All beauty uh, comes from him. And so as he gives us a work to do and a skill and knowledge, and as we offer it to God, I believe it becomes a holy thing to God. And so work is not a bad four-letter word. I know in our culture, it's like, God, if I, can, if I can just get through Friday, the weekend's coming. Well, sometimes we do feel that way. But um, in fact, in Ecclesiastes, it says, it is the gift of God that as we work and toil... Uh, we, we find satisfaction in that. And so I would say if your work is good, if it's benefiting society, and you offer it to God for his glory, 
and I believe it becomes holy to him. So hopefully that will set some of you free today. I did, I did just a little bit of a, a study on the words craft or crafting and uh, from the American Craft Magazine, and I, I think this just really adds to the, uh, just the uniqueness of, of God choosing craftsmen. So a craft or crafting is simply learning to use tools and equipment and spaces. It's learning the practice of an art, form, a sport, or a hobby, or obviously music. Uh, craft, craft is the dovetailing of discipline and imagination, dedication, and inspiration. And when all of those are spiraling around each other and we give serious attention to them, then one's craft is realized. You understand that? It, it, it requires discipline, imagination, uh, dedication, and inspiration for us to craft, to develop the craft that God has given us. In fact, as I was preparing this, I realized, I think preparing a sermon is kind of like a craft. <laughs> and so it gave me, God kind of gave me a new uh, inspiration, even about preaching the word of God, putting together a sermon because God inspires us. Uh, we use our minds. It takes discipline. It takes dedication. And God helps us put that together. So crafting is applied creativity. You take your creativity, you apply it in a certain way and with discipline. And it's the process of turning the spark of an idea into something tangible and beautiful using your hands, your skill, aesthetics, and vision. So I just couldn't help to think about how important it is for parents to allow your children to be creative, use their minds, use their imagination, limit their screen time, amen? Send them outside, experience life in the fresh air and just taking sticks and imagining they're building something and so they don't need fancy toys. But there's just something about as children learning to imagine uh, learning to create, learning to build something with our hands, and, uh, and finding pleasure in that. And so, as a personal example, um, from the time I was a child, I was nailing boards together. Uh, sometimes customers ask me, how long have you been doing this? And I stop and think, and I say, well, probably about 56 years, because I must have been five when I nailed my first boards together. I still see it in my mind. I found some scraps of wood from a project on the farm. I had a flat board. I had a little stand-up board that I nailed somehow. I still don't know how I did that. And then I found one of those wedge of, wedges of wood, you know, that a carpenter would leave behind. And I made a duck. I was so proud of it. So I went with my dad in the school van to show the school kids. So I don't remember anybody laughing at me or making fun of me. So they must have thought it was pretty cool. But so, um, so for me as a child, building was just a natural ability. I just wanted to put Legos together, Lincoln Logs, uh, Connects, or whatever we had back then. We didn't have these fancy Legos today where it's like, it doesn't take as much imagination now because they created it all for you. You just have to snap it together. Um, but I realized um, as, as life went on, as I developed my skill, uh, from building objects, from building furniture, and then cabinets, and then building houses, and then remodeling. 
And as my knowledge increased, I could execute larger, more complicated projects like this room that you're sitting in. If you look up, you'll see uh, one of my greatest challenges. I had to learn to build these blockheads. A blockhead is a suspended wall. I was given a design. I had to estimate it, which I had never done anything like that. So I had to discipline myself hard for a day at my desk and sit down. And so God helped me because he called me to do it. And so I just spent a lot of time and energy thinking about how do I do this? How do I build this? I'd be in the shower. I would be walking and God would give me ideas. And so, but I have to thank uh, Ruth Straub, who was one of our elders' wives at that time, because she initiated a weekly prayer list. She would say, Earl, how can we pray for you? What do you want to accomplish this week? And so um, God gave me uh, Jim as a helper and then a laborer, and the people of God would, would help uh, throughout the month. And so, um, so God gave us success in that, and they're still hanging. Thank God for that. But in my early 20s, God began to reveal to me that he had called me to be a spiritual builder. And so I remember the first uh, prophetic word to my wife and I, it had to do with, with being set free from the past. But I remember the word leadership, and it just shocked me, like I am not a leader. Uh, and, and I really just, I, I, I received it, but I didn't wholeheartedly because it really did shock me. I'm like, no, I'm a builder, I'm a carpenter, you know, maybe a farmer, but... Um, uh, I'm not a leader. And so, um, but I knew God had spoken because the man who spoke over us, he didn't know me from Adam. And he, and he revealed to me uh, some of my history, some of who I am, but he revealed to me God's call to me, the gifts that God was giving me. Uh, and different times along the way, there would be a prophetic word of a pastor's heart. And so, I remember even after coming to City Church and being asked to lead a men's ministry and then being asked to be a deacon and just different things. But it was during those times of leading men's ministry that I even, uh, we discussed together as men what God has gifted us and called us to do. And, and I remember just wrestling, continuing to wrestle with God, what God had spoken about me. And I remember telling the men, I said, you know, I've discovered that I need to write down what God has said about me. And in doing that, I had to say, God, this is what you said about me. It's not what I want. It's not how I see myself. And that was the beginning of, of, of experiencing more freedom. And I believe even the help of the Holy Spirit as I, as I embraced what God had said about me and what he had called me to do. I remember one day just walking down the sidewalk to go towards my truck, and just out of the blue, God just spoke to me in the still, small voice. He said, you're a builder. And I'm like, yeah, God, I know I'm a builder. But I think what God was just instilling within me was that he had also called me to be a spiritual builder. And so God has been so faithful uh, to me, and I just thank God for that. So I want to encourage you today. And so I want to move into application. How do we apply this text to our lives? Many of you are not craftsmen. You would say, I'm not a craftsman. I'm a professional, uh, you know, in business or medicine or whatever. 
And uh, I'm just so excited to see all you college students here every Sunday. I know the children are in the service today, and I'm sorry we forgot to prepare uh, some guidelines for you to follow. But it's so exciting to me because um, you, you especially as college students, uh, you, you're really in some ways still wrestling with what's, what am I to do in life? It has to do with career, skill, knowledge, ability, profession. Some of you, God is prompting the call of ministry. Uh, and so um, we want to learn how to discover your spirit-filled skill or ability today. And so again, my main point is that God has created each of us in his image and his likeness with unique abilities, gifts, and skills to work, to create, and to build something useful for the community around us. Uh, in Psalm 139, verses 13 and 14, and I'll paraphrase, so it describes how God is so personally involved in the womb, in a child developing. It says God has knit us together in the womb. And it's not just body, because we know how intricate these bodies are, are how miraculous they are. But I believe God knits and, and puts together our skill, our ability, our desires, the passions that we have in life, even some knowledge. Uh, and, and a child, you will soon discover, a child has a certain bent to go in a certain way with life and skill and knowledge. And so it's just a wonderful scripture to see God's personal handiwork even in creating us uh, in the womb. And then in Ephesians 4, 7, it says, God has also given grace to each of us as Christ apportioned it. So here, Paul is speaking of the spiritual gifts that God has given. And it says he gave spiritual gifts to build his church. He gave apostles, which are... Uh, which were the, specifically the 12 in the beginning that God sent out to, to preach the gospel, uh, to build his church, to establish his church. It says he gave prophets, those who have the gift of just declaring the word of God in a powerful way uh, and, and speaking uh, life to others. Uh, he gave pastors, the gift of pastors, the gift of teachers, the gift of evangelists, all for the purpose of preparing God's people for the work of service. And so the apostles and the prophets and the pastors are not called to do all of the work. Did you get that? We ha have been gifted to equip God's people to do a work of service. Uh, so number two, uh, how do we discover his spirit-filled abilities? Uh, because I believe there's a process that God takes us through and even in the natural, we begin to discover, oh, this is what I'm good at. This is what I like to do. Uh, I'd like to develop this skill. But I believe it starts first, really, with even praying like David prayed in Psalm 139. David says, oh, Lord, you have searched me and you have known me. So God knows intricately how we are made, how we are fit together. And so I believe, first of all, as we, as we seek to discover God's ability, 
We seek it in his word. We pray. And as we read, God, God speaks to us in a still small voice. Uh, and so as we engage in the word of God, as we pray, God will speak to us. He will begin to reveal that to you. Secondly, I believe that as we surround ourselves with godly people in community, it's a very key part of discovering our spirit-filled abilities. So God will speak to us through others by the Holy Spirit. It may just be a conversation. It may be a prayer. It may be a minister. It may just be interacting with people uh, in the community that God will speak to us uh, a word of knowledge or a word of counsel in which way to go. Uh, and then thirdly, God will work through circumstances and situations to confirm his will in you. And God has definitely done that in our lives. You know, um, God will use circumstances and situations to, to uh, reveal to us what he has called us to do. Um, and so thirdly, then I would ask the question, so how do we experience his filling of the Holy Spirit? I know for many of us, when the subject of the Holy Spirit comes up, there's always some kind of a reaction. It may be a positive one. It may be a negative one. It may be a confusing one. Like, how do we even understand this Holy Spirit? How do we even understand the gifts? Or you may have seen the abuse of spiritual gifts. You may have been confused about what people have said about the Holy Spirit. God is not the author of confusion. Amen. The Holy Spirit will bring clarity to us and understanding. And so, so number one, I believe as we obey the call of God by beginning to engage in it by faith in Christ who has called us. So that is a very important step. See, Bezalel and Aholiab had to begin to obey the command of God to make everything according to the pattern that God had given Moses. And so, um, number two is we begin to embrace the training necessary to gain knowledge of the skill needed to do the work. So, I understand that. I had to be willing to obey the call of God, especially as a spiritual builder, as, as an elder, as a pastor. Um, and then I had to embrace even... I have to learn. I have to be trained. I actually felt like I didn't have any training. I felt like I was thrown into it. And so one thing I really appreciate about Pastor Raphael was he is very on purpose in helping us learn, helping us develop our, especially like preaching and, and our ministry skills and callings. Um, and so number three, we begin to do things we have never done before and may feel totally inadequate to do. And here's one of the most simple prayers that I have prayed often when I said, God, I am panicking right now. I don't know what to do. I've never done this before. I say, Holy Spirit, help me. And he does. That's the most simplest prayer of faith you can pray, and God will honor that. And so I just have to think of my, my journey uh, from my early 20s, from being asked to teach youth Sunday school, to preaching my first sermon, that's a whole story all of its own. Um, God totally carried me that Sunday. I, I've never experienced anything like it. It was the hardest week of my life 
I didn't get any clarity until Saturday morning. And God just gave it to me, and he carried me. And so God was so faithful to me uh, many times um, to starting a business, doing my first funeral. I panicked. I said, God, why me? I, I'm just this elder in training. I've never done this before. The man had committed suicide. I was like, God, I don't know what to do and what to say. And he gave me Psalm 34, 18. God is near the brokenhearted, and he is close to those who are crushed in spirit. God met me in that moment. It became a holy moment, believe me, because it was with fear and trembling and some panic. Um, we had to fight some severe battles in business and even in the church and just perse persevering through trials and overwhelming circumstances. In fact, the first uh, business card that we created had this scripture verse on it, Zechariah 4, 6. It says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. I put it right on the business card because I knew I felt like I was walking on water, and I, and I said, God, I'm not a natural with this. I don't know what to do. I've never done this before. And so I needed the Spirit of God to help me, and he did. Um, and so I believe that God always meets us in that moment of feeling helpless and inadequacy and even scared because it's based on Christ in us what Christ has called us and chosen us to do. And we step out in obedience with faith because we are not sure what we're going to say, what we're going to do, or how we're going to do it. But I believe it becomes a holy moment where the Spirit of God fills us and he enables us and he begins to inspire us. Words begin to come. Skill begins to come. And we are able to engage and to uh, apply skill and ability and knowledge in the area that God has called us. God always became a very present help in time of need. Amen? God is faithful when you need him the most. How do we apply the gospel to Exodus 31? Um, like I said, everything that God has given us uh, points ahead to the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of God sending his son Jesus to come and dwell among us. And so I had to think of Jesus himself, who was chosen by the Father to come to the earth. And Jesus said, Father, here I am to do your will. That was Jesus' simple prayer. He was submitting his will. He was saying, God, your will be done, not mine. Because Jesus, in the flesh and a human body, he must have experienced moments of Anxiety as a man, some moments of fear, maybe, you know, some moments of, wow, this is what it feels like to be a man, and God calling you to do something you've never done before. And so Jesus simply prayed, submitted his will to the Father, and it says God filled him with the Holy Spirit in power to go about doing good, and I love this part, and to destroy the works of the devil, Amen. The Spirit of God gave Jesus the power to destroy every work of the enemy that had taken a hold of people's lives, people that were broken, people that were in prisons, people that were in bondage, people that were blind, people that were lame, people that were under the control and the influence of the devil. Jesus came to destroy 
the works of the devil through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Amen? That's really what he came to do, to build his church, to establish his church, which we are a part of. And he sent the Holy Spirit to empower the disciples to do that. Jesus also said to his disciples, I have chosen you to go and bear fruit. So you will show yourselves to be my disciples. He has given us a work to do. In Ephesians 2.10, in the Berean Standard Bible, it says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. There's that word work again. You know, it's work. Sometimes it's just flat out work, isn't it? Even to do the work of the ministry, to do good works. It requires us to be diligent and disciplined. It says, which God has prepared in advance as our way of life. I love that because, again, I believe it goes back to Psalm 139. God has uniquely created us, knit us together in the womb with with gifts and abilities and a bent towards a skill and a knowledge that God wants to develop. And your calling, God's calling on you becomes your way of life. I'm convinced of that. And I believe that young people, as I know you're discovering that, you're gaining knowledge and you're testing, you're testing your desires and knowledge and skill and trying to determine which way God wants you to go. And so when you come to that point in life, you say, this is what God has called me to do. It's a beautiful moment. It's, a, it's an empowering moment because suddenly it sets you free to say no to other things and to say yes to the thing that God has called you to do. And so, again, we present ourselves to God, and I've always loved these verses in Romans 12, 1 and 2. They become, I've memorized them as a child. They continue to stick with me and remind me. So, as we present ourselves to God, It says in Romans 12, verses 1, it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual, this is your true worship. Do not conform to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is good, what is pleasing and the perfect will of God for you. Amen? As you present yourself to God. Secondly, seek to know his gifts and his callings. And in Romans 12, further on, it lists the many gifts of of the spirit that God has given us, uh, from leadership to giving to wisdom to helps. Some people are just gifted to help. It's a wonderful thing, because we could not do it without the gift of helps. Amen? And so also for your own study, you can study 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 13 and 14 uh, chapters that just really reveal to us the gifts that God has given us as spiritual gifts uh, for his people. Thirdly, as we submit ourselves to the leaders over us and to those older, I believe God reveals to us his, 
his calling. He reveals to us the gifting that God has given. And then, fourthly, as we humble ourselves before the Lord, he will give us a grace for it. It says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. It's key to experiencing the filling of the Holy Spirit. And then, and then lastly, um, we are to be careful how we live. In Ephesians, in Ephesians 5, 15 through 18, it says, Pay careful attention then to how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is, and don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Isn't that beautiful? And so God calls us to be careful how we live so that his spirit can continue to fill us and empower us. So in all of this, we see that God is building his church. He invites each of us to know our calling or our spiritual craft, um, to grow in the knowledge of it, to engage in the work of making a beautiful place for him to dwell among us. Amen. God is building his church, and we are privileged to be a part of it. And so, again, as we all offer our gifts to the body of Christ, we find great satisfaction knowing that we are working with God to create an atmosphere where others will be attracted to the beauty of his love and goodness and find freedom that comes where the Spirit of the Lord is. God is extending his glory through us through his people, through his church, as we all work together in fulfilling his mission. In fact, in, in Ephesians 3, it specifically tells us, God has chosen, chosen his church to display his manifold wisdom and knowledge to the world. And so what a great privilege it is for us as God's people, as we commit ourselves to seeking God, as we commit ourselves to the local body of Christ in community. And then as we commit ourselves to obeying the mission that God has called for us, God meets us there. It becomes a holy moment. He fills us with his Holy Spirit, and he enables us to do the very work that he has called us to do. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. <clears throat> God, we're just so thankful today. You have chosen each one of us. You've created each one of us in your image and in your likeness to reflect your beauty, your goodness, some of your skill and ability and knowledge and all kinds of crafts and building in the natural, but also in the spiritual God. You have called us to work with you to embrace the gifts that you have given to us. We're so thankful, God, that you've not left us alone to do it on our own, but you have given us the gift of your Holy Spirit, the very presence of God, the very power of God to enable us. And we thank you in Christ's name. Amen.
Thank you for listening to this message from City Church, located in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. We hope God meets you where you are and doesn't leave you, but changes you through the work of His Son. For additional information, please visit citychurchpa.org.